I'm the doctor. I'm a time time. I'm from the planet Gallifrey, the constellation of Asterius. Now I see a rise, a rise. Time and relative dimension in space. It means life. Greetings, humans, Daleks, Time Lords, and Benny! You are listening to Exterminating Doctor Who on Otter Radio. This is the show to take unpopular episodes of Doctor Who and debate whether they're really all that bad. With your hosts, Aidan Gula. And me, George Ellis. And in today's episode, we are talking about Orphan 55. Also known as Benny, 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 Benny. Benny, Benny. Benny. Benny, I've seen a count online Benny. somewhere, which was like a supercut of every time she says Benny. When I first I saw the name I Benny, can't remember how many it is, but it's a lot. <laughs> I thought it was Benji. I don't know why my brain latched onto Benji for a good 20 minutes. Uh, but don't worry, like, she, she corrected me eight yes. times. <laughs> About 37 times or yeah. something. Just, Benny, 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 when are we going to go get my Benny? Benny, Benny, <laughs> shut up, woman. <laughs> Fucking hell. It's not like it. it's not like Benny was this true saviour or this something really worth saving, because Benny got himself in that mess. Right, it was just an old bloke who wandered off and yeah. suddenly like Benny Oh shush. You've been together forty six years or something. Get over yourself. <laughs> and the dickhead thinks it's the perfect time to propose the moment he wants you to shoot him. Good idea. That, <laughs> I mean, keep that to yourself next time. That's like if I'm about to die and I tell um, my mum, I'm secretly adopted the moment before. It's like, maybe you didn't need to know. <laughs> it's just a common theme of everybody in this episode, that there's stupidity and uh, a lack of caring about them. And mm-hmm. I don't know anybody's names. <laughs> Besides Benny, our main characters, and Hyphen with a three, I'm just like, everybody else it? can go I... away. Yeah, yeah. Right, this very... It's a strange can... episode because I remember when this aired and I remember about, you know, 20 minutes in, I remember thinking, you know what? I'm quite enjoying this. Mm. And then the episode finished and then the reaction came out and everybody said this was the worst episode of Doctor Who ever. I remember that was a very common thing that people were saying. And I was like, oh, okay. Thought about it more and thought, aha, you are correct. But oh, I, I, I hate this. I, I really <laughs> do. But having rewatched it, in that first, I'm going to not say 20 minutes, I'm going to say now 10 minutes, I was like, okay, I can see some of the things why I did enjoy this. But then I said to you, at the 27, it, it starts to lose momentum. But then at the 27 minute mark, it's right then. onwards, the whole thing just goes, any, any potential goes at that moment. And that's when I'm like, yep, this is the first rewatch. I've ever done this episode and the last. This is my first time I've ever seen this episode. And in comparison to our last week's episode, I will say quite firmly, I hate this one more. Yeah, I purposely put this one here in the uh, in our schedule because I thought there were some quite strong similarities between Kill the Moon and yes. this one. That sort of, we're in the future, this is what has happened to Earth. Big so, twist! Yeah. And I thought there were a lot of similarities. So I purposely did it like this to be like, well, Kill the Moon's really bad, but is Orphan 55 worse? <laughs> you know, 
Or is it better? Does it handle things better than that? And no, it doesn't. <laughs> no. It, it, yeah, we'll get into this later on, but it doesn't have quite as bad an attempt. Like, it doesn't have quite as bad of a message, you know? No. Like, it doesn't try to do a big one throughout the whole thing, which is completely pointless. But it does try and shove it down your throat in a much more overt fashion. Which yeah. is maybe worse. They're both bad. But that isn't really where it falls flat for me. It's really just that I just found it very boring. It was very, very boring. boring. Yeah. Just complete. Like I sat. I, if, right. These, whenever we do this, I go into my living room, put the TV on, put the fire on, little light on, ready to watch. Get all cozy, sit down, yeah? Turn it on. With every other episode in, like, Doctor Who, like if it's a Capaldi episode, a Matt episode, a David episode, an Eccleston episode, I'm there sitting excited, and I'm engaged constantly. I sit down to a Jodie Whittaker episode, and, and the only one I was engaged with was, was Witchfinders because it hooked me as it went along because mm-hmm. it was the potential. This one, I sit down, and immediately I'm like, don't care. I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's uh, it's just there's something about it which loses me instantly every time, but no. I know exactly what that is, and that's everyone in it, apart Everybody, from the doctor. Uh, <laughs> and if the doctor is being good, it's immediately ruined by a bad script. Yeah, because I think I think when I'm here saying there are things about this episode that I enjoy, it's only really the doctor, mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit of the setting up at the beginning. But besides that, I sent you videos of what I thought of the setup. <laughs> yeah, there were some quite entertaining videos last night. We always uh, send these sort of like commentaries go along, and they are not appropriate to be aired. Basically, no. Yes, that's a re- <laughs> <laughs> they are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just some of the things we said about hyphen with a three. No, not appropriate. Yeah. But. <laughs> But it's it's strange because I oh, I do have I, I, I do have some positive points on here. Most of them are about the Doctor. Two are about companions, but the rest is negative. I have a page and a half of negative points. And yet, I, and yet, I am still going to try and play a little bit of devil's advocate just for the Doctor's yeah. side today. But oh, I know. Oh, I've just spotted my editing note. We'll come on to that <laughs> shortly because. Once right, shall we that. just focus at the start? Okay, let's, a... let's begin at the start. So, the setup is some sort of tentacle easing the TARDIS, they're sweeping up. Okay, fair enough. And then the. Com- I was right. For that moment, I was like, okay, what did I miss? But I'm on board. Then the, I can't remember exactly what, the, what one of the companions says, like straight away. <laughs> and as soon as they say that, I just go, eh. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think, remember it. I think you sent some video last night where you were just like, <laughs> I couldn't even tell what you were talking about because it was just so like, oh, oh, this, and I hate that, and other people. And I was like, what are you, what? And then you sent a follow-up one going, just to clarify, I was talking about the companions then because it was just like, oh, these people, I hate them, and other, and I was like, what's They just, about? Uh, the moment they started talking, they, they said, like the first line they said was so dumb, I had just a, a f- <laughs> you know the fight or flight response? I was just, no, I can't deal with this. Yeah, I know what you mean. Just, <laughs> but I, then, I, yeah. Right. The coupon's kind of interesting, putting them together, and then it kind of maybe teleports. Completely dumb idea. But then he's. I was. Oh, there was a line from from Graham's Graham, the character. Obviously, it's Bradley Walsh. 
but his delivery killed me because it was like <laughs> there's this there's this planet yeah so he's like oh i've got these uh coupons yeah and i don't know why i'm doing this accent because it's <laughs> that, that's bradley walsh you know so he's got these coupons and then one of them one of the other companions i don't remember who because i don't care says so what's this what's the where, where does this take us and he says in response uh tranquility and i'm like oh, <laughs> what the heck? like he just looks up for a good second as if he's dazed and then he just looks and says oh tranquility <laughs> i hate it i hated it and then they just got teleported and i'm like you've i don't care i, do, I just don't it's just ah it felt like bradley walsh forgot his line and they were like eh, it's fine yeah just roll with it i know what you mean that i i don't like that opening in the TARDIS I think it's so pointless and you just said there what have I missed it's that the tentacle thing's not even like a lead on from the last episode it's just like it's a tentacle here because we're quirky and we travel through time and I'm just like not needed and then I'd have rather just landed at Tranquility Tranquility I mean there's a lot of things that annoy me the fact they didn't land in Tranquility one big thing being the fact that the teleporter can lock on to something in the TARDIS Ah! how can that happen if it's dematerialized or if it's material depending the tardis is uh, i mean okay I don't, explain I don't know. The, the the science is well not just the science but the the science of the time lords is sort of a bit questionable in this episode like i said later i mean it comes later on but like as uh, we always bounce around thematically later on when the doctor suddenly does like mind reading on the dreg and i'm like since when was the doctor ever able to do this what is the point of the doctor ever questioning anybody when he she can just go up and touch the forehead and go aha i know everything right it's like since when has she ever been able to do that it's just so superman in i can't remember like it was golden age or silver age pretty sure it's golden age he had a, a an incredible amount of superpowers way too many to the point where he had a superpower where if he snogged you you'd lose your memory right this feels a lot like what the doctor's turning into they're just giving her loads of powers for no real they're just changing stuff for no reason and it's just becoming saturated with the amount of stuff she can do there's no challenge. It's the it's a Superman conundrum. If you give someone all the powers on the planet, where's the threat? Mm. Where's the threat if this person especially can do as, anything? Especially as uh, six episodes later, they'd go, the Doctor's the timeless child, which means she's immortal. And it's like, no. <laughs> that kind of is, and, uh, that by definition ruins the Doctor's. If ever the Doctor sacrificed themselves, that sacrifice is now completely invalid. Because if they're immortal, yeah, that's what I'm pointing? saying. Like any time we ever have the like a Dalek in a story, for example, and the Dalek's shooting at everybody, the Doctor might as well just run forward and just go hello, down, get back yeah. up. Hey, have you ever seen the Curse of Fatal Death, which was a comic relief sketch in the '90s, I think, written by Stephen Moffat? Coincidentally, if you haven't seen it, watch it. It's brilliant, and it's it's basically just a load of really familiar names playing the Doctor. And he just keeps doing stupid things and regenerating every now yes, and then. Yes, I have actually. And, I have uh, seen it a very so long like, time ago. Rowan Atkinson. So, yeah, it starts with Rowan Atkinson. And I think Hugh Laurie's in there. Jim Broadbent's in there. Joanna Lumley's yeah. in there. And it's basically the idea that it's just like 
the doctor like gets electric shock or oh, drops dead gets back <laughs> up and there's another doctor and then they get do something else and then they get back drop and then they get back up and it's somebody else and it's just that idea i think i said hugh laurie i meant hugh grant but anyway yeah um, i was about to say i love hugh laurie and i was looking and i was like that does not look like hugh laurie <laughs> i get the hughes model but basically that's the idea and i just think that is essentially what the timeless child means for us now so right let's so at the beginning our premise is the doctor and friends arrive friends arrive at this tranquility spa just for a nice little holiday the doctor's sort of like oh i'll just have a look around then and it's sort of there's no premise that anything's wrong until we see the woman from breaking bad whose character name escapes me but when she's like playing the security guard, we can see, oh, maybe there's actually something up. That gave me a plus point because I thought, okay, you know, we're setting up the mystery. Obviously, it's a Doctor episode, so something's going to go wrong. Yeah. So it's quite nice that you're going, okay, this everything isn't as it seems. So at the so we're now on this nice holiday pl- planet. I was saying, obviously, it's not later on, which is a, it's, a, it's a nice idea actually. Them going on this holiday, it does look like it's made of plastic, every single room, and. It, <sighs> The thing that this that everything about Jodie Whittaker's series feels is it all feels very cheap. Everyone, so I'm gonna completely disagree with you there and say Why? this this feels like the exact reverse of Kill the Moon from last week, where Kill the Moon felt like they'd gone flat pack set. Sure, this one felt like there was actually some money put into it. Mm, no, because we have very limited cast. When all we're the- in the Tranquility Spa. They, it felt better. Like they and were just at a and obviously, hotel. And obviously the camera fools us because it's shot in really good quality and it's shot in 4K now. So obviously that that fools us. But compared to last week when it was just like, shall we use the same set in every other Capaldi Space episode? Yes. This one the, feels a bit different. You, you can recognise that. I couldn't. So I didn't have that idea with the last episode. But with this one, it does... It just... It all... This okay. I will say the sets mostly are relatively good, but the problem is the sets are almost certainly just places. Yes. Yeah, I think that's probably the difference actually, because last week we were completely on sets. I'm sure the moon looked all right. The, the space station looks so basic. Yeah. Whereas this time it does look like actual locations. And the tunnel that they run up later on has been used in so many other Doctor Who episodes. Uh, for example, the Doctor's Daughter, that tunnel was in the Doctor's Daughter yeah. as well. And I was like, oh, we're here again, are we? But hey. <laughs> um, you just, yeah. It, I think the reason it feels cheap to me is because the acting never feels, from anyone apart from the Doctor, it never feels like they're giving it their all. So, like, the extras always feel like they're there to die the um there's no the costumes are just dyed hair which doesn't you know like it's not like you've got a, this eight like uh, and the okay the biggest thing that makes this feel cheap is the alien everything about the alien the cg the fact we only ever see one like actually there at any time mm. the yeah I just, I don't know. It all feels like there's no I think it's a, uh, I, I, I know what you mean. It, it feels, it, I think it feels cheap for maybe this instance, but I think it's not representative of the Jodie Whittaker era as a whole because the BBC does actually seem to be giving it some money now. Yeah. 
I don't know like if it's like a re- reduced to... episode count, but it's like the Capaldi era felt like BBC were going, what, Doctor Who's still a show? Oh, yeah, give no, it some okay, money. That's yeah, what it felt mean. like. Whereas here it feels like, oh, yeah, Doctor Who, give that some money. It feels like it gets money yeah. now. In but... Revolution, it did feel, I, I don't, I shouldn't, yeah, it felt like there was some money in there, to be fair. In Witchfinders, there was like no locations, so like no Yeah, we're just, we're just not watching good examples to represent yes. this Jodie Whittaker era. Because this... This is, I don't even mean there are. I think the cameras do fool me to be fair, but there are some bits that do feel cheap, like you said. Um, the uh, aliens with the stupid green wigs, like him, the guy off in between is why did they just stick him in a green wig? What was the point of him even being there? Oh, because <laughs> he's famous. Were, I can guarantee you that was only that was the only reason he's in it to play yeah, such sure. a completely pointless role because yeah. he's cheapish and relatively famous. No, yeah. but to be fair, like the point when it comes to if feeling cheap is more just a a pinhole look at the whole thing, because I'm getting a very yeah. limited view. So, okay, so I'm going to leave the beginning here because I actually have really nothing to say about it. Even that stupid bit when Ryan gets that thing in his hand, like what is the point of that? Oh, the that's just popper, so point. Hopper, hopper. Is it popper or hopper? I don't know. Who cares? Right, we can talk about that for a moment. Ryan actually put in some acting after the after the doctor got it out. He was he acted for a moment there, and actually saw emotion coming from that character. Do yeah. you remember that? Like when he was screaming and all that. Not really. I think I've just <laughs> yeah. No, there was some emotion there, and then from that point forward, it's the same old monotone. Doesn't seem to yes yeah. Also, not even putting hundred percent effort. The the lady, I forget her name, when she's sucking her thumb. Like sucking a thumb, him. Yeah, it's like I said. It's like I said about toasting coal for all of Doctor Who. It was like he got cast in it and then just regretted doing it. That's what I, that's the vibe I get off toasting yeah. coal in Doctor Who. It's like, oh, I auditioned for Doctor Who months ago. I got that role. Oh, I didn't really want it. I'm sure. I got paid in advance. Like he's in. Could he's just... in. He's in The Force Awakens for about two minutes, and he puts more effort into that than he did in his entire Doctor Who two series run. This can take us now on to um, from the virus when she has that crisp packet, whatever it is, and she takes it to hyphen with a three. And she goes, I just pulled this out of my friend. And she goes, well, I don't judge my guests. I do quite like that line. That's a good but line. Then it's we a have, cliche joke, though, so I don't really give them any credit for it. But we have quite a, there is, that does, a, quite a good scene does follow that when she goes into that room, the security room. Mm. And the doctor actually commands the room. Mm. She walks in and it's like, I'm in charge now. And I do quite like that because I think this is the first time I've ever seen Jodie Whittaker do that. No, she does it. She does it very well, actually. But I think, but I think the reason for that is because she's alone. As I've said, before, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. She, but I'm just going to take the doctor as the no, doctor. But she here. shines by herself, so she's able to. She doesn't have to always um, bat with someone who's bored out of their mind. She can just act and the script helps her in that sense because they're not trying to bring in these other characters that are completely pointless so i think yeah. it's, it, it works for that fact and i think whenever the doctor is alone you get a lot more of these kind of moments with this kind of thing well we'll come on to the companions shortly i'm just going to take the doctor as the doctor for now yes. but there is a bit i can't think what the line is that the break, crazy breaking bad woman says before but she does say some of the doctor and then the doctor just spins around from the computer and just goes i'm the doctor i think that's probably the first I'm the, doctor, I'm the doctor moment that feels like, yeah, you are actually. 
that's the first time, I've, which is probably why I was quite enjoying this episode when it originally aired. It was like, oh, the, the Doctor's here. I've not seen you since Twice Upon a Time with Peter Capaldi. It was a bit like, oh, the doc- they've actually put the Doctor in Doctor Who. That's what it felt like. And when she says that, it was like, my note says, I'm the Doctor. So good. That's what my note says. Because I just thought that was a really nice thing from there. And I do think the Doctor was the best part about this episode. But even still, there are a few questionable things with mind control. But um, And then she starts talking about the ionic membrane, whatever the hell that is. And she's like, it's going, just a force field that only kills whatever it's told to kill, basically, or told not to kill. Yeah, sure. Whatever. But that's the bit where a uh, crazy breaking bad woman's like going, you don't have the equipment to build a ionic membrane. Blah, blah, blah. And I do quite like the line where the doctor says, if I had crayons and spam, I could build you from scratch. I did quite like that because it felt quite powerful to me, that line. It's, it's very, you know, the, the doctor being the doctor is very good in this episode to a point but yeah i agree i agree with you but the but thing is, is, it, 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 I, would it, it, i rather it, watch this doctor or would i rather go watch a doctor which is consistently the doctor it's yeah we're praising mean. them for something that's good that they're doing it but we're praising them for something that is just fundamentally should the bare, be done it's right. the bare minimum yeah yeah that's it's why, not that's it, why i'm like <laughs> that's why i'm like oh my god i enjoy jerry whitaker in this because it's like She's actually playing the right character this time. Mm. She's not just playing a wacky professor. She's playing the doctor here. And it is, but like you said, it is always when she's alone. Because the other example of a sort of a really subtle line that I quite liked was later on when she is going through the dreg's nest and her oxygen thing's beeping. And she just kind of goes, oh, shut up and just yeah, ignores it. So- and I did quite like that bit as well. But again, it's the doctor doing the bare minimum and also alone, apart away from. The fam. The only thing I liked about the companions here was when Ryan had something to do, but even that was just because it was like, oh my God, he's actually got lines. And the only other thing I actually wrote down about the companions, I don't have a single note about Yaz because she did nothing, but the only other thing I liked was when Graham walks into the force field, bangs his head, sort of has a little bit of a slapstick joke, and then he just goes, oh, am I having a stroke? I quite like that because it's quite funny. Besides What's a good that, line, Matt, yeah. <laughs> Besides that, I have no other points about the companions, and I can't even dwell on them in, in this episode because I'm just like, what did you do? Ryan has something to do, but he's constantly uninterested. Yaz stumbles upon two couples and completely ruins whatever they're doing because she's selfish. For, I don't know, like, uh, why you don't do that? You, uh, but um, and then she does com- absolutely nothing other than berate. The mother, you know, the Breaking Bad lady. Yeah. She berates her at some point because she... But she berates her before she knows any of the facts and has just... Okay, the mum gets the gun pointed at her and then Yaz is like, oh, then afterwards Yaz is like, oh, you're you're a horrible mother. And I'm just like, love, you you don't know this situation. Yeah. What is that? Yeah, but we get the mother reveal when... Trixabel says, you abandoned me and left me with nothing. So I guess yeah. Yaz does sort of have a right to. Yeah. It just like you've created, like, you left at such a young age that you've created an international terrorist here. So <laughs> not good parenting by any stretch of the imagination, is I it? I mean, yeah, fair enough. But it's just kind of like just blaming one party instead of blaming the person who is bl- going to blow you all up. Maybe blame both. They're both at fault here. Yeah, true. But I think, you know. Yeah. All right, edit that out. If you're going to be like that. <laughs> Let's talk. My next here. So we have the doctor's moment in the um, 
ionic membrane room, whatever the hell that is. And then the we do have we have the attack where the dregs get in. Now I'm going to talk about let's talk about the dregs and the editing Great. here because, like you said, we only ever see, I think I counted three. There were three instances across the whole episode where we ever see a character in the same frame as a dreg. Mm-hmm. Now every single instance it was when the dreg is stationary. Yes. The first time it was when the doctor was stood next to one when it was asleep. I think the second time was when the doctor stood at the other end of the room and it was sort of moving about, but it wasn't really doing anything. It wasn't, it wasn't stepping. It was like it's swaying. It's just like it's. Yeah. And the third time was when the doctor put it in the cage. They were the only three times we ever saw a dreg in the same frame as another character when it's not doing anything. Anytime it's supposedly attacking, we would see a shot of. <gasps> and then a, and shot, a shot of it of... attacking. <sighs> but it's like. It was always here. (laughs) But but it's like, how far away is this person? For all I know, you're just cutting some random footage of these monsters in. Like, there's no... Are they doing that? There's no no perspective. They wouldn't do that, would they? They wouldn't just cut these random footage of these monsters because they didn't have them on set, would they? No, No. but I mean, mean, it doesn't feel like they're even part of the same story. No, not at all. If it was was like they could just put a a picture of a Dalek, for example, and then be like, what the hell is that going to do with anything? It feels like a fan edit. Imagine if these aliens were in Doctor Who. That's what it feels like. You could literally take this episode and chop out all the drag sequences and put a different monster in, because it wouldn't make any difference, because you never see... You know what I mean? Just cut out those stationary scenes, but you could just go... Like there's a bit when they run up the corridor and they go, they've got in, and they're all shooting down the corridor. I know. And then you, and then you get a shot, a separate shot of them go, Bleh! and then suddenly it's like the empty corridor. But it's like, what happened it's, there? It's, it's when the second second guard is walking down the hall, sh- like he's like shooting, ah, screaming, and then we get a we cut to a close up of one of them in a completely different it's a different lit environment it's basically <laughs> a completely different room and it's like Aah! and then we cut back to him and he's just like ah, no! and it's like yeah all right mate you don't even know where you are do you <laughs> everyone's a, hallucinating and there's and there's a bunch of incidences like that where another one where they're in this R- ryan and bella Trixabel is in the sauna and they run in and then there's a shot of them like go Bleh! but it's like what room is that? Are they in the it's, same it's room? The same, no, no, it's in the same room as the previous monster, but different room to everyone else. <laughs> That's what it feels I, like. And it's I'm like they, sure. there's never a. In that scene, very easily, all you need to do is they're in one of those little sauna rooms and you see the dreg come past their room. Boom. Yeah. We've got perspective. We you know could, what we're You could just have. Like, don't, if you don't want. Right, okay. I can understand not wanting sh- sh- to show the monster off just yet because you want to get that suspense. But that's not what they're going for. Because immediately we see its face like eight times. Mm. There's no build. They're not trying to build up to the monster. So that's out the window. But what they could have done, because that would have been better, is like you're saying, we could have had a shot maybe of the feet. So we, they're, they're hiding in the sauna. We look down and, and then we see just pad by. Just plop, plop, just pad. And we're like, oh, what is this thing? And then we can build on from there. That could work. Or just, it very much, uh, I've got a, now this is just a theory, but maybe. They filmed everything, but they the idea was not to show off the monster at all until the doctor sees it when we actually have it in person. Maybe. Or just have it in post late like a CG later on. But maybe they thought, 
oh, we, this monster needs to show up earlier on because we're just doing all this suspense, but we need to see the monster. So they just got all this B-roll footage and just chopped it into where they thought it would fit. Maybe, yeah. You'd have to you'd have to talk to the editor and the director, wouldn't you, and say what was what was your vision? What was your vision? Because it was there is there's quite there's so many instances. I think there's another bit later on where they're sort of like look out, and then there's another shot of like the dregs. But it's like, well, are ah. they are they two feet away, ten yeah. feet away, or hundred feet away? How far away distance. are they? You look just... out! Is this dreg in France? But you wouldn't know because the yeah, camera's exactly. next to them and, and it's us. Like, it completely removes stakes. I had another note about stakes somewhere else where something else was. Um... Oh, another thing was is when the doctor is struggling with oxygen. The doctor is the only character we see whose oxygen goes red, which is a bit like, well, it's the doctor, isn't he? Well, I'm going to kill, kill well, her. Well, they say it. Yeah, I know what you mean. The reason it went red is because she was talking a lot, which, okay, that's fair enough because the doctor does blab a hell of a lot and I love it. But um, yeah, there's no threat. It's like if you make, um, it's like if I'm watching a James Bond movie, I'm, everyone is in danger apart from this one character. Yeah, he could so literally put, have his arm that, falling off and you'd yes. be like, he's fine. Yeah, <laughs> if, it's the, if it's the main character of a TV show and you know there's another series or you know this is only episode four of eight, you know for a fact they're not going to die. So you can't, and, it's, and with the Doctor, an immortal being, as they've said, there's no fear. You can't try and instill stakes by giving me the Doctor's running out of oxygen. I'm like, I, I just assumed she'd get it back by doing magical, but instead... She yeah. gets it 20 seconds later by mind-reading a dread. Yeah. But it's like, that's probably why, I think that's probably why it for you was boring, because throughout the episode, we just reminded that there's no danger here whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It's like, who are we going to kill off? Random old man. Okay, sure. Who are we next going to kill off? Arsehole mum woman. Okay, sure. It's like, all the people they are killing off are people we don't like or care about. They're, all the danger they're, they're, doesn't yeah. feel real because you would never see the dregs in the same frame. And we don't ever we get... actually see anyone be killed. Like, no. actually, like, we don't see a monster actually touch anyone. There's no, there's never any of that. And as you're saying, yeah, if, if, if someone's killed, it's either a bad guy, someone we've been told this is a bad person, they deserve to die, someone incompetent, so you want them to die, Benny. Um, <laughs> or it's just complete, people completely obsolete. And, uh, 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 that is the, that's, that's the problem here, and it's like, although I enjoy the Doctor, and I enjoy the Doctor when she takes over a room, I enjoy when she's commanding things, she's like, I'm the Doctor, I can rearrange you from spam, and all that kind of thing. I like that. But as soon as we're actually in the situation, even though I have a note that says base under siege premise is reassuring because we don't really get much base under siege stories anymore, and I do quite like them, we just have no danger, and it doesn't feel like there's actually anything wrong. I do agree with you there. I love base under siege stories. I love that kind of idea of the heroes being hunkered down and they've got to find a way to defeat these insurmountable odds. But the problem with this, there's no danger because you don't feel like there are actually a threat it's just we've got to stop these monsters which are out there but they're never here because we can't be in the same room as them because of money (laughs) this is going to be a complete jump around but do you know the bit in the truck where they're driving in the truck yes that's where we that's roughly where we are now yeah chronologically anyway so. (laughs) so they're why are they in the truck again oh yeah oh yeah right before we get there Benny. no why are why are they in the truck benny Oh, they're going to get Benny, aren't they? 
number one, biggest problem with that, who the hell thought it was a bright idea to bring everyone on this dangerous expedition? Why were any of the companions needed? Why were, okay, maybe the engine, maybe one engineer and the guard. But why was the um, Ryan's love interest, the terrorist, needed? Why, was she, why did she need to go with them? I don't know, especially because her mission is to blow everything up. So going away from the base is surely counterintuitive. Yeah. If she actually stayed, she would have have would have probably blown up the place. Her mission would have been a success. She's obviously not a very good terrorist. And then we have Benny's wife, which okay, she wants to see Benny, but my God, is she going to slow everyone down? Does anyone here have any common sense? Okay, most of you are idiots, understandable. The doctor, any common sense in bringing along an old lady? Um, the security people, any sense in bringing along an old lady? Why do they bring everyone along with them? It's just yeah, no it also, point to it. And it also, it's pointless, and it also adds to that no-stakes issue, because I actually have a note that does say truck attack doesn't feel dangerous, because no, every single person's in there. It's like, well, nobody's going to die then, are they? Hmm. Until we get out of the truck... And then you've just got Benny again. And then we have that bit later on where it's just like, yeah, he's dead. And we didn't see that. Like, yeah, I killed that, him. That bit was so, oh, okay, we'll get to that in a second. But, oh. Well, we'll just get to it now. <laughs> yeah, they go out to save Benny and Benny dies. We don't see him die. So that's great. And then the wife sacrifices herself for no reason. Two completely pointless characters dying, but there were no stakes, obviously, because it's a possible future. And then we have all the twists and blah, 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 blah. But then we get to the a point where we see Kane sacrifice herself. She's gone. You assume she's dead. Then right at the end, for like 10 seconds, she comes back to save everyone with her daughter. It's like this heroic, fantastic moment. It isn't just saying this is what they want it to be. It's not. They They try and do that. First off, second off, and third off, why? Who? Yeah, right. Okay, Aiden, I'm about to die now. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn around to you and as like a, a nice, lovely moment, I'm going to suck my thumb. Well, it's just a little goodbye for them. Is isn't it, it though? They, they had is a connection. They had a connection, even though Ryan's like, you're a terrorist, but whatever. My problem, that isn't my problem with that scene. I'm, I... completely, I'm completely fine with that because that is just their goodbye. My problem is that they're essentially on this massive field. It's an open plane. Mm-hmm. And Kane manages to appear from nowhere. So you're not telling oh, yeah. me. So you're not telling me for five minutes before that they saw her running towards them. It's you know like, I mean? it's like um, oh, Kane's Holy Grail. Like I'm on my way. Then it's like finally, five minutes later, she arrives. She's like, aha! And it's like, yeah, we also you were running across an open plain for five minutes. We saw you yeah. coming. You don't just appear from nowhere. It's like if you're in the middle of a desert, nobody can just appear from nowhere. You will see them coming. That's I mean, my all, problem with us. They were all distracted, so just imagine they're just focusing on this, and you just see in the background Kane just booking it, just, <laughs> just running. That's what I've got. I can just imagine they're just being like dealing with the dregs, and they just turn around and go, "Is that Kane?" And she's like in the distance, just like going, "Ignore me!" <laughs> yeah, I'm making a triumphant return. Just and they're like, "All right, sure." And then she's still coming. <laughs> Ten minutes later, why isn't she here she, yet? She's she still does running. Know that. We can't teleport her out, right? Uh, <laughs> just why? Why in the truck? I don't understand. You don't need it. It's it, again. That, that's what makes it. I just. Uh. And you only. You've only got Ryan and 
Bella together again just so they can have that little bit of flirting, isn't it? That's the only reason yeah. those two are together. And then, the, you know, the Doctor sits down in between and is like, oh, what we're talking about? And Ryan's like, dead parents. And it's like, ugh, ugh. And the bit as well where Vilma's like, you want money, Kane? Here's this, yeah. And just throws that gold necklace at it. That woman cannot, I'm sorry, whoever plays Vilma, but you cannot act. Like, you can't. And I'm not sorry. <laughs> but, okay, and then Kane probably, takes the money. It's probably like, a, probably like Chibnall's gran or something. Yeah. It? It's just like, let's Kane, get her in. Kane then takes the locket and, and everyone's shocked at her taking it. And I'm like, good on you. I mean, you're not doing this for free. Good, like, I don't, good on you. I don't really care about any of these guys, and I hope they all die. <laughs> that's that's the been, main thing. You've been quite defensive people. on Kane's side in this episode, really, haven't you? You're like... <laughs> because I actually found the characters semi-interesting. That's the thing. She actually had some level of maybe some, I don't know, maybe some depth. But she would... De- I just... I, I do not agree with what she's doing at all. But also, is it really that bad? Not really. <laughs> She's just she's just made a resort on an inhospitable planet, and it was all working fine up until the point where they got a virus. I mean, it's not really that big of a problem. It's just a bit of a mistake. <laughs> I, uh. She's trying to terraform a planet and make it habitable, habitable again. Is that actually a bad thing? <laughs> well, depends if you how much you want to read into the, the politics side of the episode, isn't it? She's trying to yeah. fix it. I'm just saying. She's not... You guys are just coming in here on holiday doing less. Okay. But no... I just, all of the other, like, the extras, the companions, this, before they got on the truck, what should have happened, and I believe this wholeheartedly, is the companions should have just gone into the TARDIS and just, and then just have the Doctor and the soldiers go out looking for Benny, and maybe bring along the old lady so she can die, but that's, (laughs) that would have been so much just better, ah! That was a. It was that. It was really at this point for me where it felt like, obviously later on it gets a lot worse. But here it's just kind of like, yeah, as you said, no ah, stakes. It's but just, it is as soon as we get into the tunnel, and like I said to you, the exactly, I think it is exactly twenty-seven minutes or so. As soon as it's revealed that crazy Breaking Bad woman is um, Bella's mom, I'm like, that wasn't needed. No. Nope. And you get some very hammy, you're my mother acting. It's like. Okay, this is like the worst version of Empire Strikes Back I have ever seen. It's so pointless. And from there, the episode just collapses and there is no hope in it. Oh, anymore. it's 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 such a terrible turning point. If it, it felt out of left field, like there's no it's like so you're standing there and a baseball ball hits you in the side of the head and it's like that's where, where did that come from? No, it's, yeah, it's like comp, it's such a completely pointless storyline because Bella when she meets Ryan for the first time, she's like, Yeah, my mom was dead. That's fine. Let's roll with that. Yeah. Not, no, nobody is there. Watch. I'm convinced that nobody was watching that episode going, but what would happen if her mum was alive? Nobody cares. We, we were, we, we it's not like, ah. Uh, so then when they're like, her mum is alive, we're like, there's no, so point. what? Yeah. There's no point in it. There's no point. It doesn't add anything. It doesn't, in like, there's, there's no, it's not even trying to say a message like Doctor Who seems to be wanting to do in these past couple of episodes. It's not a message of don't abandon your kids. It's a message of abandon your kids and they'll become terrorists and try and shoot you and blow up your dream, which you're trying to give to them. Ah, 
Because I, I, I can't even say, I can't even say, well, Bella's only there to serve to blow up the base at the end and save the day. I can't even say that because we don't even know how the episode ends. And we'll come to that in a second. But like, well, I'll we'll just deal with it now. But um, there is no resolution to this episode. It's like, Not all the dregs well. are here. There's a big explosion and now we're gone. Actually, it's you're like, right. And it's like, well, what happened there then? Like, were the dregs defeated? Did the base blow up? Oh, Did- yeah. Did Bella survive? Did her mum survive? Did That's... anybody did anybody actually survive this? But it's like, no, that doesn't matter because what I'm going to do now is I'm going to give you a climate change lecture. And it's like, yeah, but what happened? <laughs> That's how little I care. That I, I genuinely, I didn't, my brain didn't think for a second they didn't resolve it. That's how little I care about the ending or this whole episode. The moment mm. they left, I was like, good, I can go to bed. Yeah, like it reminds <laughs> it reminds me. Do you remember we did Sleep No More, and that episode ends with the Doctor and Clara just getting the TARDIS and flying away, and it's like, well, what happened to the base then? Yeah, but the reason that one happened is because there was supposed to be a sequel that happened later on, but it yeah. never happened. And it was this still doesn't we were very focused on this doesn't even have that excuse because there is no intention for a sequel. It was just, this is the well rounded episode, but as soon as it gets to that point where they up up and leave and have the climate change lecture, it was like. You get to that point, and my interpretation of that was, oh, so this whole episode actually didn't matter. It was just a way of getting us to here. Yeah, and then the Doctor... Uh, we've really jumped to the end here, haven't we? Um, we'll come back to the twist, because it, it's all the same theme thematically, isn't it? Yeah, the Doctor at the end, she... She says <sighs> that it's a possible future. Yeah, and I... I Has that ever thought. been a thing in Doctor Who before? By saying that this is just one possibility, you're telling me the doctor could just go visit one word's fixed. Gotcha. No stakes. I, I, and, it, and it completely, it makes everything pointless. It makes the Kill the Moon episode pointless about them dis- making that decision because does that mean in a different timeline they made the other decision? Time travel. Oh. That, yeah, that's how I watched it. I was like, that's not how time travel works. We know parallel universes exist in Doctor Who, but the doctor cannot visit them. That There's like, we know that because mm. of... That's just fact in Doctor Who. You can't be telling me that there are different possibilities and all that because eh, you're only telling me that. You're only telling me this is a different possibility because you want me to go out there and fix climate change with my own two hands, which, sure. And <laughs> you want... And you just... The whole point was just so you could tell us that this was Earth and that you... So you can do another... And it's just so you don't completely ruin every other earth story in the past that's the only reason that it's it's a different timeline it's one of those things that i i don't remember if i mentioned it last week or if i meant to but i have a note where it says it doesn't have to be earth every single time this could have just been a earth-like planet that has had the same issues and it's like and we and and we would have still learned from that and you could say well we don't want this to happen to our planet do you know what i mean you can say that same thing that i said about I met, I don't know if I, I can't remember if I did say it or not, but about Kill the Moon, I was going to say, well, it doesn't have to be Earth's moon. It can be another planet's moon is an egg. Why does it have to be Earth every single time? And the same thing happens here when we do have the Planet of the Apes. That's what I've written because it's like Planet of the Apes when they go, yeah. it was Earth all along. And it's like, I remember seeing that for the first time where they go, oh, it looks like Russian. And I went, oh, for God's sake. I know. Why does so, it I... have to be Earth? I'm like, that's just, it's not necessary. Just make it an orphan planet. Say it used to be like Earth, but they had a problem like global warming and they got here. So guys, you don't want that to happen to your planet. Sure, it's ham-fisted, but I'll take it. By saying, by saying this is Earth and this is just one possible future. It's like, 
But since when has Doctor Who ever done that? You've never gone to, they've never ever gone to the future before and gone, well, it doesn't matter. It's only one possible future. It, yeah. It's it, like, it, no, it, the future it, is the future. It takes away the stakes of, but, it, but it's the stakes of something going wrong because they can just go to one where it's right. But it also takes away the stakes of them trying to fix anything. Because yeah. what's the point if it's just one possible timeline? The way I've always unstu- understood, like, time from Do- the Doctor Who universe, especially in the Capaldi era, because they sort of talk about it a little bit, is I've got a pen, w- I've got a pen with me here. So this will work for the Thank visual you. podcast, but for the people at home, I'm going to try and explain this to you as best as I can if you're just listening. Imagine time is just a line. Like, that's the start of the universe, and that is the end of the universe. It has all happened, right? That's how time is. In, especially in Doctor Who, it has happened. So when they say this is one possible future, that doesn't work because we don't have these lines coming off where you just have one straight line, a start mm-hmm. and a beginning. And I sort and of a think, parallel universe is just a completely separate line. They're not connected. Yeah, by saying it's a possible future, like in Endgame when the Ancient One does all those lines off the timeline, you know what I mean? She goes, this is one possible future. No, that's not time travel in Doctor Who. We don't have alternate timelines. No. And if we do, we can't visit them. Mm. I don't know. It just doesn't it just doesn't make sense to me. It just doesn't make sense. And it's um I think there's a I think there's a time in Doctor Who. I can't think of who says it. I feel like it might be Matt Smith. But I think he says once you've lived a future, it's happened. There's something about that. Because it's all about you can't go back in your own future and all that. Yeah, and I think like like, as soon as you've seen something happen, it has happened. I think that's the idea, but I can't think what the context it or is or anything around it. So surely by having lived this and spent time in it, that means it has happened. So it's no longer an alternate future. This is the future. But is it alternate future? Is this one of the Ancient One's lines that she does past Bruce Banner's head? I don't know. I don't care. And there are no stakes. That is my opinion on this episode. So it's fact, though, because they've told us that that's the case. It's not an opinion. Yeah. So, what would you do to fix this episode? Uh, have Benny and his wife just have a heart attack immediately before mm. we even see them? Actually, that's a good <laughs> idea. Aren't they sat by a pool? So maybe, like when we first drown. See- so maybe when Yaz goes to that pool, we just see them floating face down. No, just... <laughs> no, no. When Yaz appears, she can say like, hey, and they both get shocked. <gasps> just Yaz kills yeah. two elderlies. Perfect start, I think. And then she just maybe just pushes them in the water and goes, they were like, I want to found them. And then <laughs> yeah. she leaves. Yaz, it'd be, Yaz would be doing, there's something for Yaz to do. Something for Yaz to really... do, yeah. We're onto something. No. Because um, the only Yaz line I remember from this episode is when she just goes, global warming. That's the only line I remember. Say again? <laughs> global warming. Oh, global warming. Oh. Right. The build-up is good. As soon as they are going to out there to save Benny, still dumb, but okay. Just have everyone stay behind in their special super safe room. And just have the important people go and we just focus on them. That's all I care about. Have us follow the doctor and then they go say Benny. Benny gets his throat ripped out. Give me, yeah, there you go. Then I'm good. But it's also like just to, I'm going to build on that there. We don't get, Benny isn't saved. No. So actually devoting all this time to Benny being saved is pointless. And um, 
yeah. you're saying, you know, you know, reduce the team. I'm going to say reduce the team even further. Don't even have any of our main cast in it. Just say we've sent out security to go get Benny. Oh, later on, they weren't successful because we're not getting Benny back anyway. So what is the point of devoting any time to it? Don't even send yeah. the doctor. The doctor's got more important things to do than find an old man with a hat. Yeah, actually. That's I what I'm going to say. Here, yeah. it's like the doc the Let's focus the doctor on defeating the dregs. Let's not give the doctor a truck and these stupid noseband things but to, really to save to this old man. Just send, the just doctor needs send, to go somewhere. It's yeah, so... but she can she can go somewhere. She could even get this truck to go find the Dreg's base. You can imagine or... her just taking a truck. <laughs> sure. I mean, the eleventh Doctor drove a uh, fire engine. So why can't she drive a? Why can't she drive a truck? So, um, have their mission be hunting for the Dreg's nest, but the Benny mission just say we've sent out our security. We'll go find him. Oh, they're dead now. Okay, sure. Because yeah, we're not getting oh, yeah, we're okay. not getting Benny back anyway. You could have Benny. Be in the nest, maybe. You could just have dead. it so they well, dead or do you know? Like, sorry, I'm going proper scary here. You know how um in Alien when you have them on the wall with like chest bursters coming out because they're being turned into you know. Right. Just have because how would these creatures evolve? Have them kind of turn people into them in a weird way. So you just find Benny in the nest, half with the with the security team that they sent out. Yeah. So it'd be like we've sent out a security team to get Benny. Or oh, we've not heard for anything from him. Ah, oh, that's why. They're here. But you won't look, but it's just kind of it all links in instead of having them focus on something dumb. The dumb thing comes to the smart thing. Mm. That could kind of work. And um It does I, leave Vilma with like, well, where the hell does she slot in? But let's just ignore it. Let's Vilma. leave Benny. Let's oh. just leave her she in, by the pool or something. Yeah, don't bring her on the mission because she just doesn't add anything to the team. But if you bring she? her on the mission, she's just going to die. You don't bring the... Right. <sighs> Bringing the person who can't, like the old person along with you is... Uh, if there's a situation where they can't survive over there by themselves, that's what you need to do. But if they're in a situation where they're safe and in a better off situation than if you were to go with them, don't bring them with you. Don't do that. Don't... Yeah. That's like, uh, you, you're putting them in unnecessary danger, which is dumb. But one thing I'd do is definitely make it not Earth. Just make it a different planet. It yeah, doesn't I agree. need to be Earth at all. Because you um, can, even though, even, though even though I really disagree with the ham-fisted way they do the message, and this is the example I use for so many things where I say, Jodie Whittaker literally looks down the, down the lens of the camera at some points and is like, don't do climate change, kids, basically. Don't do I, hate, I, I hate that. But if you really need that to be the crux of the message, then sure, go for it. But don't yeah. make Orphan 5 be Earth. Say this is a planet like Earth and this could happen to Earth. But by saying it is Earth, you've... It feels... We literally have, in Chris Eccleston's second episode, the second episode of New Who, they go to the end of Earth. Yes. They see the planet die. It is not an orphan planet. It is oh. Earth. Mm-hmm. So it makes no sense to, for this to be Earth. And, yeah, by, by making it not Earth, the message can still work. So if they want that, fine. But also it means they don't have to give us this alternate timeline bollocks. It, it mm. can just be, it's just, it can make sense in the world yeah. of Doctor Who. And it's, oh, it's, ah, exactly. 
Yeah, exactly. I'm just bored and I'm tired of this episode. <laughs> no, for the people listening, I was yawning then. Yes. Um, the Doctor, I have little improvements because I do think she was strong because she was actually doing the bare minimum for the Doctor here. So I don't have anything to improve upon on her. Companions, as always with any Jodie Whittaker era episode, give them something to do. Ryan, yes, I know he has somebody to flirt with, but please make it constructive. Like, sure, he can flirt with somebody, but if that's not going to go anywhere, why bother? Oh, no, it does. Uh, yeah. For the people listening, George was sucking his thumb then. Um, <laughs> I put my thumb to my lips, we'll say. Otherwise, well. they're imagining me going to town on my thumb, which is not something I was doing. Well, um, I, I mean, I wasn't thinking that, but if you're really that self-conscious about your... Well, now, now people sucking. are probably, if they are listening to it, they are going to be thinking about me really sucking my thumb. So that's, this probably really made it a lot worse than I thought it would be. Yeah, so you, there have, you, go. you <laughs> have worsened the situation. <laughs> no, um, but just one... Alien, alien design, well, I'm just rattling oh, yeah, through the my fit. I'm rattling oh. through my... Alien design, Not. I'm not even talking about the dregs here, because I think they look all right. I mean, they do just look like do you remember Love and Monsters? You know the monster they're chasing at the beginning, the Hoiks? It, it looks the same. It looks exactly like the Hoiks. Do you think it is the Hoiks, but with a different paint? Job? I don't know. It could be. It could be. Uh, and it doesn't have the, like, sort of metal body armor thing, so. They've just taken I mean, I think, I think they're, they're, they look fine for what they're trying to do. I quite when like I, the design. Yeah, I when I say... Like when I say alien design, I mean get those stupid green wigs off people. This isn't 1986 Doctor Who anymore. That might have been in 1986 Doctor Who when everybody's got like pink jumpsuits and green hair. Sure, Whoa. go go for it. Green but hair. In, oh, but no this way. episode, but this episode aired in 2020. Thirty years too late for the green wigs. Get rid. They just look ridiculous. And if you're really trying to get new viewers on Doctor Who, and somebody tunes into this episode and they go. Is that him off in between us with the green wig? Oh, I think I'm going to chew. I'm going to turn over. You know what I mean? Like, it's not. It's not good for Doctor Who to look like that. And my final thing, I think, to really change it because we've said get rid of her, all of that. Fire the editor, <laughs> please. Get a different director. I don't know, but have whoever was at fault in this situation for making it where the aliens just. Never felt Never like they were the anywhere break. near our characters. Fire them. Should, yes, whoever it is. If it's more than one person, get rid of them all. Just whoever is at fault, fire them. Because we need to see the dregs in the same frame. It's like, it's all well and good shooting up a corridor and then seeing um, shots of monsters in a corridor. But unless you see the people shooting at the monsters in the corridor, and even it's like, is it the same? Is it the same corridor? How far away are they? Are these people actually those, in danger? Even with those shots where we saw the monsters and they were being shot at, we never saw blasters going by. No. It was it was just a completely different area, completely different time as well. I firmly believe that that was just a complete, that's just B-roll, that they just decided we need to show these guys. So they just, I can, I believe that 100%. The thing so about this episode, my, we can just keep... The, it's the problem is this episode has dumb things that just are so dumb we can just keep talking about them. It annoys me. It annoys me when, yes, on that bombshell, I'm gonna go cry. Yeah, it's strange because I people may ask, but nobody will ask. But <laughs> I, I talked to, to some people about the podcast. Um, 
if they said to me, why the hell did you do Orphan 55? Because usually you do episodes that deserve a second chance. Now, the reason I did this episode is because when I did watch it, I remember enjoying it mm. until I saw the reaction afterwards. So I did kind of want to rewatch it and see how that perspective can change. And in the first 20 minutes or so, I do relatively enjoy it. I have problems with it, but I do enjoy it. And I do think the Doctor is strong. So it's, although we've not really delved on her much, delved on her, that's not English, is it? But even though we've not, dwelled on her that's the word i was meant much i do think the doctor is strong here and if you want to hear us talk about the 13th doctor more do listen to our witch finders episode so here i think this is another example of the 13th doctor being good essentially and this is the last time on this podcast well for series one anyway that we will be analyzing a 13th doctor episode because i've had enough so from here on it's only tenant capaldi and smith but why did you give this episode a second chance? Because you bill these as second chance reviews. Well, I'm not giving this a second chance, but I do think to remind people that we, even, we, though, even though this is seen as one of the worst episodes of Doctor Who, there are still some good elements to it. Yeah, and we, some we, things where it could have been a good episode, but you missed the yes. point. And, and the this is how is... to ensure... I've just got one sentence left, George. Sorry. This is the, Sorry. Just, to ensure that you don't repeat another bad example like this. These are the very simple fixes that two fans, a casual fan and a diehard fan can propose to you. And that is what I'm going to say to you, Doctor Who people who are not listening to this podcast. But that's why I'm, what, that is the message we're putting out there. Basically, we like to see if the episode deserves a second chance. And sometimes it doesn't. That's just the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah. And sometimes, like we said about, you know, the time is child. Oh, time is child. There are just some episodes that don't deserve a second chance whatsoever. And I'm not even going to consider giving them a second chance. But this is one where I thought, let's give it a go. And we've decided, no, no. you were right. <laughs> if you have seen Orphan 55, never watch it again. If you yes. haven't seen Orphan 55, don't, don't bother. watch it. Next time, and I'm saying next time because I think I might take next week off because I've got a lot of work to do. But uh. next time, we're going to be going back to Capaldi. We're going to be doing an episode called In the Forest of the Night. and I guess it's sort of, I've linked Kill the Moon, or 55, and In the Forest of the Night together, because I do think there are some quite thematic similarities between the three of them. Mm-hmm. So it is quite a climate change episode next week, but perhaps done in a less ham-fisted way, though we do have, perhaps for the last time on this podcast, child axes. So join us next time. I'm not going to say next week. It might be next week, but I'm not going to promise you anything. I'm going to say join us next time for In the Forest of the Night. Until then, goodbye.